Luke 10, 38, it says, I want to talk to you about Mary and Martha because these are two parallels. There is no gray area here. There, you, it's not that there's two ways and you can pick one. There are two ways you can pick, but there's a right one to pick. <laughs> there's a right one to choose. Jesus told us that there's a right one to choose here. And Mary and Martha are two pictures of the bride. See, we're called to be a bride absorbed in the spirit that is just crying out to the bridegroom. Manifesting the bridegroom everywhere we go. And there's two different pictures of the bride here that are happening. And there's one that Jesus desires above all else. See, the church, and I hope you hear me, I love the church, I love the bride, but unknowingly we've become a Martha as the bride thinking that we have to do something to get his attention. We just play that music just right. Or we do the transition, the prophetic transition just right. He's going to sweep in like a hurricane. <laughs> but he's looking for a Mary. So it says this, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion that will never be taken away from her. Oh, man. See, Martha is serving. Mary is sitting. I want you to see this. See, Martha loved ministry. Mary loved intimacy. I'm speaking of this because this is what the Lord's been doing in my own life. The Lord has been stripping out the love for ministry. My dad says the Lord wants to get people out of the ministry so that his ministry can come forth. <laughs> See, Martha was so distracted and busy. See, Martha's service for the Lord replaced the Lord. Martha loved principles. Mary loved presence. Mary is sitting and listening. And Martha is serving and running around. <laughs> want you to receive this here. See, unknowingly, see, Jesus is the one thing. 
He said that Mary had chosen the one thing that would never be taken away from her. I used to teach this a few years ago, and I taught that prayer and listening, sitting and listening, were the one thing. There's two things in the one thing. <laughs> if you sit and you listen, you'll increase and you'll grow, and from there there will be fruitfulness, which there's truth to it. Amen? There's truth to sitting and listening. But it's sitting and listening is a means to the end, which is the one thing, which is Jesus. He's the one thing. He's the one thing. See, Martha was anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus, what this means is that if you give your life to many things, you open up the door to anxiousness and trouble. Or anxiety and trouble is an indicator that you've given your life to many things. See, I could seek all the different many things of Christianity, of Christendom, and there's everything out there. I could seek all the different things of what it means to be in ministry. I could seek to grow my prophetic gift, to grow my healing gift, to grow my word of knowledge gift. And I could seek the 10 things, the 10 main things that are the popular things in Christendom today, but lose the one thing. Or I could find the one thing, choose the one thing, and in him find everything. Everything. C.S. Lewis said, seek, seek Jesus, seek Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything. <laughs> Come on. See, we get anxious and weary and troubled because we actually are afraid we're going to lose it. Man, I really cultivated this. I've really cultivated, this happened to me. I really cultivated my word of knowledge gift. It's starting to wane. I'm getting anxious and troubled that I'm going to lose that. I'm just saying these are real things that people, we face. It could be things in the Lord, but I'm just even things in your life, your finances, your, all these different things that we face. And we get anxious and troubled because we're afraid we're going to lose it. Unknowingly, though, we will. But if we seek and find him, we find everything, and he says it'll never be taken away from you. Amen? Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said, the true bride of Christ does not say it is what you have to give we want, but it is you that we want. Because when we have him, we have everything. Amen? When we have him, we have everything. There is no principle that can satisfy my heart. I just want the person of Jesus. Is everybody doing okay? I used to feel bad for Martha. <laughs> I was like, dang, Jesus is like harsh with Martha. Because it literally says that when he says that he corrects her, the Lord answered her. That's literally like a strong rebuke. Very, like a harsh rebuke. You're wrong. And I used to think, man, poor Martha, like Jesus is so cruel to her. Doesn't he see that he was serving for her? But she was making sandwiches that he didn't order. 
She's like making things that he didn't even ask for. See, I avoid the sin of presumption when I sit at his feet. Did you know that presumption is a sin? I avoid the sin of presumption when I sit at his feet. When I move in principles and prophecies, I actually find myself making tons of presumptions. But when I rest in the person in the presence, I avoid that. You following me? I want the person of Jesus. Man. So good. <laughs> He's so good. So I was like, man, why is he so harsh to Martha? You know, I, aren't we supposed to sit and then so that we can get up and serve? Like, I sit so that, I sit at his feet so that I can have greater success in the anointing. See, I don't sit at his feet for success. I sit at his feet for love. Bill Johnson says, there's a name for people that are intimate for a profession. Is everybody doing okay? See, you got to get this. If we can just walk in love with Jesus, I'm telling you, I could teach principles. I could teach stuff about how to move in evangelism. And you're going to get that, and I know I teach that stuff, and it's so important, but if there's one thing, man, that you could just get, it's the one thing, Jesus. <laughs> if you just fall in love with him, man, I'm telling you, come on. He's so good. I avoid the sin of presumption when I sit at his feet. See, when I take my rightful spiritual place at his feet, he takes his rightful place as king. I'm going to say that one more time. When I take my spiritual place at his feet, he takes his rightful place as king. See, we get so, we, we've made it so complicated. We get so laborious and and there's there's a place for there is a place for effort, but it, I, I'm, there's a place for action. Faith without action is dead. But I'm telling you, we get so laborious, and we're like, oh, I got to grunt really hard to advance the kingdom. But all you have to do is have the king. <laughs> More is accomplished when you sit at his feet, because when you sit at his feet, he takes his rightful place as king, and the kingdom is his dominion. The kingdom spreads when I'm sitting at his feet. Are you hearing me? It's our rightful place because, see, we've come from the dust. Adam, God literally made a mud pie, just plain in the mud, made a little mud pie, and it was a figure of a guy, and then breathed on it, and it came to life. And the thing is, is we try, see, like Martha, we get so busy and anxious because we try to be something extraordinary.
We get anxious and troubled about many things because, you know, I'm not enough. My life isn't enough. I'm not enough. I need to be more extraordinary. I need to be something more. I need to be extraordinary, but it's a lie. I believe in our identity in Christ, but I'm telling you, guys, we don't have to be extraordinary. We are completely ordinary people. I'm from the dust. I'm very ordinary. (laughs) I'm a very ordinary person. And when I see in the light of my ordinariness, (laughs) at his feet, is where I belong. But see, when I take my place at his feet as an ordinary person, he moves through me as an extraordinary God. So I'm not seeking to sit so that I can receive something. I'm sitting so that he can be a person and flow through me. Amen? My dad says this statement. He's been prophesying this for about 20 years. Um, Growing up with a prophet as a dad, I like, honestly, I was like, man, my dad's weird. (laughs) 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 Honestly, as a young guy, and you're like, I mean, he's just like insane things that I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I don't understand what you're saying. But in hindsight, I'm telling you, in hindsight, now that I'm, 20, 20, you know, coming up on 30, I suddenly, I see his track record. And in, when I was a little boy, pre-Toronto, he was, all he would talk about is sonship. All the time. Sonship, sonship, identity, spirit of adoption. You're not an orphan. All the time. And like, I'm saying as a little boy, he was teaching all of us, sonship, sonship, identity, who are you? He'd always ask, who are you? That was his question. Who are you? Uh, I'm a son of God. Like he, like, and he's like, do you believe it? Like he, like, it was like, that was his thing. What has been being taught all around sonship, right? So now I'm like starting to pay attention. Like, okay, what is this word that he's been sharing the last 10 years? And it's a word he keeps on saying, Micah, the bride is going to divorce the works and marry him. See, the bride is going to discover, see, everything that the bride thinks she needs We've painted ourselves up. And again, I hope you hear me. I love the bride. I love the church so much. And I'm a part of it. And what unknowingly, we've painted ourselves up almost like like a harlot. We've painted ourselves up with tons of makeup, hoping that we attract him or we attract the lost. We've created, I see two different kind of camps that we've created. Either we paint ourselves up to attract the lost, to be seeker sensitive, or we paint ourselves up to attract his presence. If, I, if we really look good, he'll come and he'll move and miracles will happen and he'll move in our midst. But they're both, they're both wrong. And what's happening in this day and age is the makeup that we've put on is melting away. Some of it through fire. I know that's happening in the church. It's happening because it's happening in my life and I'm the church. I'm a part of the body. You know what I mean? Has anybody else been felt themselves strangely in fire? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> See, sometimes we, we, God puts us in the fire and we, 
suit up and we become firefighters instead of learning how to dance in the fire. Because the fire is the very thing that forms us. So the, the fire is here and the Lord's melting away all the makeup and all the stuff that we ever thought we needed. And we're going to come to realize that everything that we already needed, we already had. Jesus. That there's nothing that we need to attract him. I want you to hear that Mary and Martha, it's not, I just showed you a video where we're praying for people. We preach the gospel. We're, we're, you know, we, we are active. I want you to see that Mary and Martha, why it's not gray, you can't teach that. You can't, we can't teach it. Jesus didn't teach it. He was very firm. It was a harsh rebuke of like, sometimes you have to be a Martha. Sometimes you have to be a Mary. It's not about action. It's about the heart. And in my heart, there is an altar. In my heart, there is a throne. And the, the lesson of Mary and Martha is that in my spirit, in my heart, I'm to never leave the posture of sitting. This isn't about a time set, it's about a mindset. This isn't about, see, you guys know, I know any of you in the room that, <laughs> I mean, even not, you're busy, you have life, but if you're a parent and you have kids or you're, you're juggling multiple things, you're in leadership, I don't want to exclude, even if you're not a parent, I'm just saying we, we get busy, right? We have a lot going on. And the Lord wants to teach us where the secret place, yes, there's a something about intimately getting away with him. I have a prayer room. I love it. It's, I, I honored it and dedicated it up to Mary of Bethany. <laughs> I love going in there. But I don't get to get in there much, <laughs> if I'm really honest. But the Lord wants to teach us to let our heart be the secret place. Where the secret place isn't necessarily a place, but a place. Amen? And in this place, I'm always sitting. Sitting. Martha ordered the Lord. Mary adored the Lord. Workers will always order and demand Jesus to work on their behalf. Do this for me. But lovers adore the Lord. Pull out your hands right now. See, I'm telling you something. The Lord, I know that the Lord is releasing grace tonight. And something is being caught more than taught. Something's being released. Thank you, Father. Thank you. To say yes. <laughs>
so much that God can do with a little yes. <laughs> oh, man. A friend of mine, I, I was talking to him the other day. Just stay in that posture. The friend of mine, he was talking to me the other day. He said, I said, Mike, I said, how you doing, man? How, how you doing? And he said, I'm keeping the integrity of my yes. People asked, what is it that we might do the work of God? Jesus said, believe. Just have a yes. The Lord wants to touch our receivers. <laughs> our receivers, sometimes our receivers get a little clogged up. <laughs> There's nothing wrong on his end. There's nothing wrong even on our end, but in our spirits at least. But our, our, our receivers, see how many of you know we're working out our salvation in our soul, in our body? There's a lot of transforming that I need. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of big gap that I have to close. <laughs> Amen. And the Lord wants to touch our receiver. A lot of times we think we come under the pressure. We see prophetic words over our life. We see the calling of our life to be a witness, to preach the gospel, to live the gospel, and we go to, what do I have to do? I've got to do something. And, and God's like, no, you have to be something. Hearing me here? So the Lord wants to touch our receiver because it's not an issue of achieving, it's an issue of receiving. Amen? Amen, come on. So good. See, Lazarus, he dies. Farther along in John 11, Lazarus dies, and we see Mary and Martha again. And it says that Martha came running out from the house to set Jesus straight, basically. <laughs> she does. She comes running out of the house, f runs him down before he's even brought, come into the city, and begins to basically say, if you would have been here, my, my brother would not have died. But I know that whatever you ask, God will do for you. See, she has a value system that's based around what can Jesus do for me rather than who Jesus is. Are you hearing me here? Martha loved Jesus for what she could do. Mary loved Jesus for who he was. So Martha comes, and she's frantic. She's coming, coping, and complaining, and she gets a theological statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Honestly, it's a th if, you, if you read it, it's a theological argument. She gets theology. Mary gets a dead raising. I want to be like Mary. says that Martha comes back to the house and Mary and she says Mary the master is calling you it says immediately she got up from the table and she ran and everybody followed nobody followed Martha but everybody followed Mary 
Why? Because that's where influence is. Influence is never conscious. Martha, unknowingly, she's busied and anxious to have influence and to have impact for Jesus. And in Luke 10, it says that it was, she had a house. It says that Jesus came to Martha's house. But in John 11, it says that Jesus came to Bethany, the village of Mary. So Martha had a house, Mary had a village. (laughs) <laughs> See, unknowingly, the people, the one, the one that fought for position and fought for influence never got it past her house, but the one that simply adored the Lord influenced a village. Influence is never, never conscious. But Mary comes, and it says that she took her rightful place. She said, Lord... She says the same thing. <laughs> Lord, if you would have been here, your servant wouldn't have died. Instant, immediately. Jesus moved with compassion. Where is the body? Where have you laid him? Jesus weeps. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. Amen? I want to be like Mary. <laughs> Amen? See, Martha came coping and complaining. Mary came coming and casting. Coming and casting is the way of, the, of Mary. Coping and complaining is the way of Martha. So we have needs in this life. We have pains. We have hardships. The whole thing of hosting the presence, this whole thing of Christianity, isn't about ministry. It's about all of life. And it's not that we just come to him in the secret place of our heart for greater ministry, but we come to him in the secret place of our heart, in the pain, in the trial, in the fire, in the hardship, in the challenges. And instead of coping and complaining, we come and we cast our cares upon him. Amen? Mary, at his feet, comes and casts, and the Lord moves on her behalf. Amen? I want to be like Mary. <laughs> Last year, I'm sitting on my couch, spending time with the Lord, and I have my Bible out and all my stuff, and in comes my daughter. And she is just dolled up. <laughs> I mean, she's got this princess dress on she's got tons of layers and layers of big toy like beads on her neck she's got fake earrings on she did makeup and it was a little you know all over the place and she comes in and honestly she does one of these like hip things like she's just like super proud of how she looks and like and she I could tell she was in that moment she was looking for my affirmation and I said, oh, and I stopped what I was doing. I put my Bible aside. I said, my Bible aside, and I said, oh, my gosh, Madison, you look beautiful. I love that dress. You look so beautiful. And instantly, you know what happened? With a huge smile, she came running to me. 
and she has this cardboard Burger King crown on her head. <laughs> One of those Burger King crowns. And she comes running to me, running. And she jumps up in my arms, and she, to lean in, listen to this, to lean in, to draw close to my chest, to give me a hug. She takes her Burger King crown and throws it aside. See, in the light of his worth, all of our achievements, all of our testimonies, all of our breakthrough moments pale in comparison. And my crown falls at his feet <laughs> to draw close to him. See, there's a place that we can touch the heart of Jesus. Martha, Mary, see, there's something about the posture of sitting. Rest is the greatest posture of trust because it means that you believe that God will actually work on your behalf. Earlier this year, we did a winter vacation in January. It went down where it was a little bit warmer. And day three, I'm getting antsy. I'm a, I'm a doer. <laughs> day three, I'm like, oh, man. Okay, the kids are napping. I'm going to pop open my laptop here and get a little remote work done. I'm typing away. <laughs> and as I'm typing, suddenly I hear God say, hey, Micah, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. I thought, you know, use, use an hour here while the kids are napping. You know, accomplish some stuff. <laughs> and God's like, Micah, did you know that rest is the greatest posture of trust? Rest is the greatest posture of trust. This last year in our town in Springfield, we started praying together in the body of Christ. We started gathering together and praying. We put on this gospel campaign in September. It was a big undertaking. Talk about a lot of doing. My heart at many times became an anxious Martha. Because <laughs> it was a big undertaking to put together. <laughs> Anxiously running around, God's like, hey, 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 just sit for a minute. <laughs> so we, do, we put on this thing, and honestly, the big component that we did is we did prayer. We sat at the feet of the Lord. We literally focused everything around prayer. We came together. We did monthly prayer rallies with different parts of the body, different churches that were partnering together for this gospel campaign. And every month, for about eight months leading up to it, we just did monthly prayer rallies. We did two prayer walks a month. It was evangelism, but the focus was prayer of sitting at his feet, literally adoring him. What would happen if we literally we just went into a neighborhood and we just adored him like Mary and while we walked? Anthony would happen. <laughs> so we're doing two prayer walks a week, the monthly prayer rallies, and then we, we started weekly governing prayer gatherings with six core pastors where we would leave our egos we would say this we're leaving our egos and our logos at the door and we're just going to sit at his feet we just did that and we would govern from the place of prayer simply leaning and listening and letting him lead and the big thing that came out in our prayer the whole year is we were praying for the crime rate to drop in springfield 
In 2016 and 17, the crime rate in our city was in the top 20 in the entire nation for a city its size. The property crime and the violence crime was, for a city its size, was number one in the state of Ohio. A lot of homicides, a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of property crime, theft, cars, you know, all this kind of stuff going on. And we were like, enough is enough. So a big part of the gospel campaign we did, we got our chief of police, we got our chief of the fire department, we got our mayor there to specifically declare together on the platform that Jesus is the answer to the crime in our city. That he alone, we told the mayor, we told him, I told the mayor, I said, hey, here's a letter, we want to invite you to come to this. And in the letter it says, Jesus is the only answer for Springfield. And he was like, I'll be there. It was awesome. <laughs> so they all come and, and we just do that thing. But I'm telling you, it, see, outwardly, it was, it, was, it was amazing what the Lord did at that gospel campaign. But it, outwardly, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was this big wow thing. We didn't get in the newspaper it wasn't, you know, like, I think like 1,500 people did show up, and there was this amazing stuff, miracles happening, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. I'm an evangelist, so I'm like, we're going to see thousands saved, and we're going to, you know, and it's like, hey, let's believe for it. But it was something different. Unity happened. The bride happened. Body happened. The body of Christ happened. And I'm telling you, just two weeks ago, an article was released in our newspaper about the crime rate of 2018. You wanna hear what happened? The violent crime rate dropped 11.5%. That's huge, like a half percent, a 1% would be big, 11.5%. The property crime dropped 20%. Isn't that amazing? A lot of that I know is our, is our amazing leadership in our city, our mayor, our chief of police, our, our amazing police division so many other parts of the body of Christ, but I am not ignorant to not think that our prayer affected something. Amen? What was that? Let's be Mary's and see what Jesus does. <laughs> it changes things. See, when we sit at his feet, he moves on our behalf. Man. Mary's the same one that broke the alabaster jar at his feet. After her brother was raised from the dead. Everybody in that room, even her dead raised brother, a healed leper, and all the disciples cried waste, but Mary cried worth. Worthy. It's not a waste in the light of his worth. Nothing is a waste in the light of his worth. I used to think that the alabaster jar of my life would be I'm in a worship service and I just so go so hard in praise that I literally bust open an alabaster jar and Jesus is like, I'm so pleased. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized that the alabaster jar he's looking for isn't a moment of praise. It's my very life. See, how can I say I love God whom I don't see if I do not love who I do see? Worship. I really believe that one of the greatest forms of worship is evangelism. 
<laughs> Tweak a little thing there. Evangelism is worship. <laughs> Amen. It's not a waste in the light of his worth. So worthy. See, everybody else cried waste, but in the light of his worth, even her alabaster jar that was a year of wages wasn't enough to give. He's worthy. In December, I'm, I'm getting ready to close here. Is everybody doing okay? In December, I was in Nepal, and we did this habitat build, which is really unconventional for me. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I like to share the gospel. I like to go crazy. <laughs> Just have, some, have fun with Jesus. And the habitat... For me, it's an amazing organization, but I was very constrained. I felt very constrained because my team leaders, we went in our, with our organization in partnership with Habitat. So the team leader for Habitat knew who I was, and they pulled me aside and told me that I couldn't preach the gospel. I was like, oh, man. I was like, okay, God, you got to work with it. So it was just a different trip, right? But God really moved. We saw some Hindus come to the Lord. We saw some miracles. And, I mean, just good stuff. Like, we kind of cheated. Because <laughs> I basically, she said, hey, you can't preach the gospel on the work site. I said, I will honor that. And I didn't, but everywhere else I did. <laughs> so anyways, we're seeing some cool stuff. But the first night, day we're there, we're walking around the market area. And, you know, it's just, like, filled with color. This is the foothills of the Himalayas. So there's like just vibrant, those bright prayer flags, you know, all the just vibrant reds, people wearing these really just bright red colors. And it's just really cool. So I'm soaking it all in. I'm just, I'm honestly like, I'm in complete tourist mode. <laughs> I'm like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> and I'm, we're, we're shopping because it was before Christmas. We're literally stockpiling like, oh, is this, this, uh, this, uh, Scarf comes from a goat's chin. Okay, I'm buying it. Like, just like weird. We're just like, yes. <laughs> just having fun shopping. And uh, about an hour into this, I can't remember. We're just walking around. We're taking it in. And this little boy comes up to me, maybe about six, seven years old. And he's dirty. He's got the kind of the snot with the dirt in it kind of a thing. And um, just hanging out. And he came up to me and he said, hey, I need some, I need money. I need some milk. I want milk. I need milk. And I didn't realize how jaded my heart had gotten. Because when he asked that right away, I was like, okay, what's the hook? <laughs> what is he, what is, what's the real thing here? What's he trying to do? And I wasn't mean to him outwardly, but this is what my heart was saying. And I said, no, I don't know, man, but you can come along with us. And he, he was persistent. He hung out with us the whole time. And every time we would come back out of a shop, Hey, I, I really need some milk. I need some milk. I know it sounds petty, but for me, for some reason, there was something in there that the Lord was hitting on. So finally, more out of his persistence and my annoyance, I was like, okay, man, come on. And we went into a shop, and he wanted the condensed milk, like the for formula milk. And it was like 12 bucks for this little box. I was like, dang, no wonder he wanted that milk. That's like, that's, it's way cheaper in the U.S., you know. 
that's what I was like, gosh, this is crazy. So, and he grabbed like four of these. I said, I'll get you one. <laughs> so I got him this box, like pay for it. And it, honestly, everybody, and I gave it to him and gave him a hug. Hey, bless you. And he said, thank you. It's for my baby sister. And he just took off down the road. And I just went about my day. And I was like, you know what? I could have, I could come back with, a, I could have come back with a really cool testimony. We were out there and this little kid, we bought him milk and it was really, people are like, yes, they applaud. Yes, you bought a kid milk. <laughs> but as I'm laying in bed and I'm dozing off to sleep, I suddenly heard the Lord speak to me. And he said, Micah, I came to you today. Did you perceive me? Did you see me? And I said, Lord, when did you come to me? He said, I asked you for milk. I cried to sleep. <laughs> See, there's a place that we can enter in with the Lord where intimacy is ministry. He said, if you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Where literally evangelism actually becomes ministering to the Lord. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was in prison. He ministered to me. 